Hello, MGs, on this wonderful Thanksgiving, and welcome. You're here with Sean from the future, and I'm here to guide you through this episode. So I want you to, as you turn up the heat on your turkey, turn up the volume on my soothing voice. You see, it turns out the future is a disaster without this episode. This episode is actually what puts President Kardashian and Vice President Piggy into office. So that's why I had to bring it to you. Let's take a listen. Welcome, MGs, to the episode that almost never was. I'm telling you, we did a whole episode and Rob never hit the record button. Oh, is that what happened? Yeah, that's what I made made up happened. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, so we're coming back around to bring you heart and souls. And my name is Sean, and I'm here with... Rob. And we're here to give you a gay perspective on geeky movies. <laughs> All right, well, let's start with our uh, question of the week. Ah, yes. At this point, we come to the question of the week, where they never read my fucking answer. And here we find Rob gets a little pushy and Sean gets a little emotional. Let's check it out. Uh, This one was, I think, our most popular question we've had so far on this show. I've never seen... So many uh, responses to to this. This this really invoked a lot of emotion. I cried when I saw how many responses (laughs) there were. Right? Okay. Well, we'll, we won't get through all of them, but let's try and read some of our favorites. Um, Who do we got? Well, can I read the question first? Oh, yeah. That's right. Thank you. Yeah. Go ahead. Name a movie moment that always makes you cry. This moment right here. (laughs) (laughs) Alieni Silvermist on Twitter. When Forrest from Forrest Gump attempts to ask Ginny about whether or not his son is like him intellectually, he never really finishes the sentence. In the whole movie, he seems to be fine with who he is, but in that one second, ugh, it gets me every single time. I know what part she's talking about. I get that reference. I'm Captain America. I get that reference. <laughs> Because we just saw the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but no, I, I do get what, she, what she's saying. Um, that That is a really good scene because he is very confident in who he is, but he doesn't really wish that upon anybody else. Right. And so he would feel very horrible if it had. So Nightstar 357 was haunted by a very similar scene to what haunted you as a kid, Rob. What is that? Um, Nightstar said, here is a tearjerker from childhood, and it's a picture of Atreyu trying to pull Artex out of the oh, swamp. yes, yes. I've, I've definitely mentioned this on the show before. That <laughs> that probably gets me every time, too. Um, the film Cactus. We haven't heard from these guys in a while. Captain Phillips, when Tom Hanks is rescued. Have you seen Captain Phillips? I have not. Oh, my God. Okay, well, uh, spoiler, <laughs> he gets rescued. What? But um, it was it was this scene where he doesn't really realize he's rescued yet or he's just in shock. It's just too much for him to, I guess, take in that the danger is done with. And, like, that whole two minutes, I would have given him an Oscar for. It was such... <laughs> raw human emotion just watching him just sort of let all of that tension go and yeah it's 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 um it's a pretty intense scene uh heavyweights chumps said the opening of up gets me every time uh yeah that's a good one i didn't realize that opening was coming and i took mary who was in her 60s and who lost a husband so it was a very emotional beginning to a movie for her oh man Speaking of, um, loosely based on films, just put a gif of Coco. Yeah, that's all <laughs> That's all you need to say is Coco. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Ghosts of the Stratosphere, just a gif of Iron Man, or Iron Man, <laughs> the Iron Giant saying Superman as he sacrificed himself. That's a good one, too. Oh, my God. Robin Slim at Robin Slim on Twitter. Oh, the Robin Slim show. Yeah. Just a gif of Optimus Prime from the animated Transformers movie. Him being operated and dying on the table. Oh, no. Yeah. 
So Michelle at Misha Bernathy said, Ewan McGregor's whale when Satine dies. Oh man, the flood is unstoppable. <laughs> I agree. And that is one of the greatest movies ever. And Rob totally agrees that Moulin Rouge is a great movie. No, <laughs> no. Uh, I'm really happy that there is a lot of animated answers on this question. Yeah, A lot of people would look at this and be like, you're crying over a cartoon. Like, there's a lot. Um, the Unlucky Ones at T-U-O underscore podcast said, I feel like I've posted this a lot recently, which means I've been crying a lot recently, a.k.a. I'm crying right now, at a gif of Littlefoot's mother dying Aww. and her giving her speech, I'll be with you even if you can't see me. I don't know why they would do that to children. <laughs> that scene was heavy. It is funny that a lot of these are children's movies. Mm -hmm. Like, here's one of my movies. Dark Corners at Dark Corners 3 said, Kermit crying in the Muppet Christmas Carol. Not so much because Tiny Tim is dead, but watching someone I grew up with in tears is heartbreaking. Yeah. And that's a puppet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, hashtag no offense show at HTNOS. Football movies gets me every time. Especially father and son moments. The end of Rudy, when his dad gets to see him play at Notre Dame. And the end of Friday Night Lights, when Tim McGraw puts his high school ring on his sons after he lost the state finals. Every damn time. And so I had mentioned, I was like, this sounds a little close to home for you. Is this something <laughs> personal? And so he responded, and he said, well, for sure. I didn't meet my dad until I was 27, and now I have two boys of my own, so that stuff hits hard. Hashtag Chris. Wow. So thank you, Chris, for sharing that. I really appreciate that he shared that with us. I thought that was great. Yeah. Cocktail Party Massacre said that part where Pamela Voorhees is trying to avenge her son's death, but she gets her head chopped off anyway. <laughs> Alrighty then. I can just see him crying. He's like, get the <laughs> tissues out because I'm about to watch Friday the 13th. <laughs> um, the podcast at the podcast uh, DAP. Uh, has a gif of uh, Simba trying to wake up his dad. Yeah. After being trampled and thrown off a cliff. Uh, yeah, that one's pretty. Ooh, ooh, this is a good one. Um, the Boot podcast uh, showed a gif of Jesse from Toy Story 2 being left on the bed. Aww. That was a sad one. And Sarah McLaughlin. Uh, so, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, the DVD Lowdown uh, put Marley and Me. Uh, all dog movies gets me sobbing. Uh, a dog's purpose a month ago did that to to them as well. So that was a good one. We even got some from Instagram. Nate his fate says when Jack and Sally finally kiss on the Halloween uh, town hill. SVO gig when Noah lays with Allie as she's dying in the Notebook. Uh, we also got uh. Dead Peasant Society's film on uh, Instagram, the part in the room when the police finally comes to rescue her, ah, gets me every time. Did you see the room? Uh, Captain Marvel, she has that kid, Jacob Tremblay. No, I didn't. And they're kidnapped. Uh-uh. You didn't see that? Okay, so I know the part that he's talking, that they're talking about. It is intense. Uh, we spend half of the first movie with them in that room being captured, and then the police come, and the kid obviously has to go first. The mom wants the kid out, and the kid gets taken out, and she's still wrestling with the guy, and the kid, you see from his point of view, he's put in the cop car. He's trying his hardest to signal that the mom is still in there and that there's somebody else you need to find because the kid was found like far away from the house. And so the kid had no way of telling the cops that I'm at this house, go get him. And they didn't even know where to look. But this cop was just so fucking smart. She figured it out. And then went to the house, and then there was this pan shot of just waiting to see if the mom made it out alive. And the mom walks out, and I lost it <laughs> because I was so relieved and so happy because I thought the movie was just going to continue with just him and just seeing her 
escape from all of that, it, it really just got to me. So I, I just love that answer. That actually sounds really familiar. It's, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. But um, yeah, Oscar is definitely um, deserved for sure with that. Um, I'll read one more. Uh, Cocktail uh, Party Massacre on Instagram says two times in the color purple. When Sug Avery's minister father finally hugs her in church, sinners have souls too, is a quote from her. I know that scene. That's really good. And when Celie and Nettie are finally reunited. It's a pair of sisters who were separated when they were kids. So, yeah, those are good scenes. Well, we want to thank all of you for re, uh, for responding to this. It was it was a real treat to see everybody, you know, admit to crying in a movie, first of all. But <laughs> um, just being able to share, you know, like your feelings and stuff like that. And Sean, what movie makes you cry all the time? Don't think I forgot about you. Nah, man. <laughs> so I'll keep it short. But yeah. basically for about 10 years after coming out to my dad, it took that long to finally accept it. And even now it's kind of like a tepid acceptance. Okay. So seeing the dad in Love, Simon just completely love on his son and accept him, that gets me. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. I did like Love, Simon. He was a very sensitive father for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can pick from so many. <laughs> I am a blubber because ha- you're weak. I yeah, but <laughs> no, I will go way back. The first time this happened to me was in third grade, <gasps> and then I actually tested the theory by watching it just for fun, just to see if I happened to cry again. And wow, did the whole did the exact same spot. So the whole movie is sad, <laughs> but it's just one particular part that always gets me. And uh, it's from an animated movie, The American Tale. Okay. So, again, whole movie's pretty sad. He's, you know, separated from his family. There is a part towards the end, and I think it's right before he is in the same spot as his family. But right before that, he meets up with a gang of mice who are, like, sleeping around hay or whatever. And then he comes across them, and they accept him as a runaway like you're one of us now and it was just sort of it wasn't like a rock bottom but it was just a moment where I think that he chose to give up searching for his family and just settle where he is like he's gonna be one of these runaways forever and that even in third grade got me Hmm. messed up and I don't know if it's just because I'm empathetic I don't know what it was but that part always got to me and then watching the second time, it was that exact same spot. Dang. Yeah. I have noticed for some reason I have these like emotional states. One time I was watching Return of the Jedi. I don't know how many times I've seen that in the past, but this one random time I was like, Luke is fighting so hard to protect Leia. <laughs> it just really got to me. <laughs> that means you're getting older and more mature. <laughs> That's exactly what it means. Shut up. <laughs> Isn't Sean doing lovely on this episode? And Rob is... mediocre. Let's go ahead and cut to a a promo from Casual Cinecast. Hello! Do you like having your podcast interrupted by promos? Probably not, so we'll keep this brief. My name is Chris. My name is Mike. And my name is Justin. And we just wanted to introduce ourselves. We're the Casual Cinecast. We're a weekly podcast that reviews current movies and TV, as well as the occasional dive into classic cinema with the Criterion Collection. We cover everything from Black Panther to Black Narcissus. From Solo to Sallow. From Love, Simon to Simon of the Desert. If that sounds good to you, look us up on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. We'll see you there. You know, Or or something, because we probably won't actually see you. But yeah, we don't see them when they listen. Right. Well, okay. Um, well, back to your podcast. So we are doing Hearts and Souls today. This movie was released in August 13th, 1993. It is PG-13, and it is directed by Ron Underwood, who is also known as the director of Tremors and Mighty Joe Young. And City Slickers. Uh, writers are Gregory Hansen, uh, who apparently is the one who wrote this as a short film. 
It's based on a short film he did, Hmm. but he also wrote the screenplay for this movie as well. And it stars Robert Downey Jr. and Charles Grodin, who's also known for the dad on Beethoven. Alfre Woodard. Oh, yay. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) you just getting that out. Okay. Um, and Alfre Woodard, who had a birthday this month or earlier uh, in the in the month of November, and uh, Kira Cedric. So the movie, if anyone has ever seen it, I, I'd be surprised. I don't think anybody's ever even heard of this movie. But um, it stars a businessman who is reunited with four lost souls who were his guardian angels during childhood. And all with particular purposes to uh, joining the afterlife. So basically, he is their um, way of finishing their unfinished business before moving on. I was inspired to do this movie because uh, there was a question on Twitter about what ghosts would you want to be BFFs with or hang out with for a day. And I immediately thought of this movie and I pulled up this gif and I posted it and it was Robert Downey Jr. dancing with the four souls on the street. And I just remember how much fun they had when they were when he was a kid. And then I was like, Sean, we have to do this movie. I own it. We'll just make it one of my Rob's collections of the month. And I just had to do this movie. So uh, I told Sean to watch and you said that you had seen it. Yes, actually, there was a person I used to work with who mentioned this whole theory about when people die she believed that their souls went into the atmosphere and kind of got recycled and pieces of those souls go into new births now is that the same as reincarnation yeah it's similar okay it's just saying that like they meld together to create a new being kind of thing that's awesome so i mentioned how cool i felt that idea was to marry and she was like oh that reminds me of heart and souls i was like what the hell are you talking about (laughs) so i watched it and i did really enjoy it that was probably about eight to ten years ago that i saw it so it was a nice treat to see it again oh okay um, so yeah, the movie uh, budgeted at twenty five million estimated, but grossed only sixteen million of it back. So it wasn't really a good of a hit. But this movie speaks to me a lot from an acting point of view. Robert Downey Jr. was called upon to take on four different personalities in one movie, and I think for him is an accomplishment, and I think that that should also be recognized as we go through this review. We we watched this separately, so I don't know how this was for you re-watching it again. Uh, what did you think of, of the film? Um, I really enjoyed it. Actually, having my notes, too, really shows off Downey's acting. Yeah, see? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, they're just um, a fun group of characters, and it's a fun idea for a movie, too. Mm-hmm. The fact that they're... Um, connected to him and he has to right the wrongs of their past Mm -hmm. yeah so uh, we see that uh, Elizabeth Shue is also in this movie too and they both did Soap Dish together Mm -hmm. yeah so I love that reunion and I looked up Soap Dish Soap Dish came out I believe in 91 so they did Soap Dish first and then this film uh, For some reason, when I was young, I really latched on to Elizabeth. She was like an actress because mm-hmm. I watched Back to the Future 2 a lot. We watched Adventures in Babysitting a lot. She was just like the one of the first actresses I noticed. So yeah. I always like to see her. Mm-hmm. No, she, she's great. Uh, so the movie starts off when we see all these four people separately. They don't know each other, but they're all sort of trying to accomplish something or dealing with something very heavy in their lives. Um, some is just normal routine. Others is trying to accomplish something. Uh, but we already get a chase to chase, you know, to to um, chase down somebody like a love interest. Kira Cedric, she realizes that the whole time she's been scared of making that next move on marrying her long term boyfriend. And then he decides to give up and move away and she realizes she made a wrong decision. She's already chasing after him to the airport. I'm like, this usually comes at the end of yep. the film, not in the <laughs> beginning. But they got that out of the way. They all gather on that bus. And what do you think about the way that they died? So it was interesting to me because 
it starts off, if you haven't seen it, with the bus driver looking down into a car where a woman is dressed in a short skirt, kind of like touching her leg. And one thing I wrote is my dad used to be a truck driver. Mm -hmm. And he told me that kind of stuff happens so much. He's like, I can't tell you how many people, how many guys I've seen masturbating in their car, mm-hmm. how many girls flash me. One guy was full on playing a guitar and moved it. And he was completely naked <laughs> driving his car. At that high <laughs> altitude, you can see a lot. But yeah, I wrote in my notes, sex will be the death of us all. Yes. <laughs> Honestly. But this guy gets his rocks off by checking this couple out, which I don't mind a couple of glances, but he literally takes his eyes off the road and they're in san francisco yeah there's nothing but hills over there like i don't know how he was able to take his mind off um, off the road for that long and then take four people down with him that just sucks yeah because in a bus you just have no control but they go over a bridge and they're instantly killed and then they all just float and go right to robert downey jr as he's being born at the exact same time you know what i wrote Seeing her give birth makes me happy to be gay. (laughs) (laughs) What did you think of the effect of the ghosts as they sort of float out and they're sort of fluorescent, a little see-through? You know, one thing I noticed is for this being as old as as it is, I did like the ghost effect. I did too. Especially too, like seeing them pass through things. They did that little wavy effect. Mm -hmm. So it looked cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, um... I did sort of pull my own religion out of this. I honestly thought that when you die, you just get attached to somebody. Really? Yeah, I did. I, I believed this for a long time until obviously I got older and, and whatnot. But um, it wasn't in the same of reincarnation. It was really like I'm being attached to another soul. But it only happens if you die the exact moment somebody else is born. So how do you think you'd feel about that, though? Like being attached and having to watch someone you care about live their life, make mistakes, you know? Well, it's funny because, you know, believing that, I'm thinking that I'm constantly watched. I should have been freaked out the whole time, but because I couldn't see them, it didn't really bug me. Uh, Their situation in particular sucked because nobody came down and told them exactly why it happened to them. Me being attached to somebody, if it was a loved one, I think it would lessen the blow, but like... The rule was that you can only go a certain number of feet away from them. That is what sucks. Yeah. Is that you're constantly attached to them. And it's like you have no choice but to be around them. Like even when they're sleeping and like you just can't do anything but just sit there. You don't sleep. You don't eat. You don't do anything. But um, the <laughs> when I was a kid, I'll be honest, the only thing that I thought of is doing that is like let it be attached to somebody who loves tv so i can continue to watch my shows that's all that i want to make sure i can do that would be your own personal hell to be like attached to a farmer who doesn't have a tv i would don't scare me right now because that would suck um but yeah i i also really enjoy the effects of this too and i think it's why i was drawn to this a little bit too it it just gives that that fantastical sort of thing just a a little bit more umph you know they just came up with their own theory of how things happen when you die and not to say that they made it easier to accept but it was just nice to see that these ghosts had you know a second chance to accomplish something you know that is what happens when he dies that is what happens (laughs) when she dies it's all very personal yeah so they're attached to them and then they grow up with him as a child and they're just like imaginary friends yeah did you have imaginary friend um i didn't but i did used to think about that how people would tell you like oh they're always with you in death and i'd be like is great grandfather like watching me right now like (laughs) i kind of want to jerk off like (laughs) (laughs) i know i I, you just kind of have to just if if we went around the world thinking somebody was watching us the whole time we would never live (laughs) right but um yeah i wonder if anybody else went through this like was he just a special case was he the only person who had souls attached to them you know Mm -hmm. we didn't get any other evidence that this happened to anyone else except for the woman who managed to see him and i don't even understand that part to begin with but (laughs) 
I wanted to kind of ask you about that on what your theory was with her. Was it because she was mentally challenged and that we they see things that we don't see because we're they're using a different part of the brain? Well, I actually have kind of a bigger question on that for you. So maybe I'll pose it now. Okay. But yeah, I do think that maybe she's not mentally challenged, but um, she's sensitive and that's seen as mentally challenged in her case. Because if you're seeing people and talking to them, then it's probably going to be seen as like schizophrenia or something. Yeah. So, but I do find it interesting overall in movies that a lot of times we portray things that are normally seen as insanity, we portray as having a supernatural element. Like, mm-hmm. for example, Robert Downey Jr. is talking to himself, but we know why, but nobody else does, so he looks crazy. Mm-hmm. But then I find on the flip side, a lot of times when we have religious movies like Stigmata, for example, she's going through a religious experience, but she's seen as crazy. But this is something that, as a society that's mostly Christian, I just think it's ironic that we see religious things as the person being crazy but we see crazy people as being supernatural <laughs> oh yeah yeah uh, are you speaking more like in entertainment sense in entertainment okay yeah. gotcha no, no no i do notice that yeah it's just i don't know what do you think about that about portraying religious experience as crazy when it's the belief that we have as a society uh well with a movie like that, you kind of have to write parts that speaks from all different aspects. And so we need people to be those skeptics who don't believe in religion and they need to have a voice, apparently, quote unquote, to just speak for the people who don't believe in that kind of stuff. And I, I guess it raises tension to try and get them to believe so that it's it's just one of those like hills that they have to climb. So it's more accomplishing when they do find out that it actually is real. Um, a preacher losing his faith mm-hmm. is being shown literally that what you've been praying and, and believing in is true this whole time. And so I think a part of it was finding his way back to his faith, I guess, dealing with this sort of girl going through, you know, that kind of stuff, I mm-hmm. guess, from that point of view. But no, 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 I, I do. I do notice that. I always think of Tara. When she was, you know, fucked up by glory, and then all of a sudden she was able to see glory for what she was and the key and all that stuff, and it, they're all tapped into that supernatural stuff. Look at the people who went all fucking crazy when they saw a Halloween mask. They know that shit ain't is fucked up. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, do you think that they were watching him in every single way? See, that's the part that's creepy to me. Like, they jump right to him, um, you know, when he's, you know, he's a kid or whatever, and then they go to adulthood. But they've gone through so many girlfriends and relationships, and it's just like, how far away from him? I know he's not a virgin. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, where? what were they doing during all of these moments? See, and that's the, that's why I wouldn't want to be attached to someone. Like, looking back on my life, there's so many points. I'm like, if you're a ghost watching me and you can't do anything... You're probably like freaking out. Like, why is he doing that? (laughs) Oh, you listeners have no idea how much of a fucked up childhood, Sean. (laughs) Anyway, let's get back. So this is where Rob, this gets to one of my favorite parts where he says, I did want to bring up the other reason that inspired my question of the week. While we were watching this, we watched a little bit of it together. I don't know if you noticed. There is a part in the movie that gets me every time. And it's, you know, the kid was caught at a racetrack and doing all of these crazy things. And the parents just didn't know what to do with him. They didn't understand why he kept talking to other people. He's drawing them. And, you know, they obviously don't see him and they think he needs help. And so the souls decide that they need to disappear and just leave him be and they can't be around him because it's just messing up his life and so all at the same time one by one they just all disappear in front of his eyes i don't understand why they had to do it all at once like they just (laughs) all left all at once but i gotta give it to this boy me what is his name um jake lloyd whoa 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 Now, I know he did not just say the name Jake Lloyd, who played Anakin in Star Wars, when it's actually Eric Lloyd. (laughs) And that dumbass Sean agreed with him. 
He is from the the Santa Claus as well. He's that little Jake kid. Lloyd. That was Jake Lloyd. Oh. Yes, as a child. This little boy knows how to cry. He even cried in Santa Claus, and he will make you even tear up just a little bit. He's just really good at it. And just, they woke him up in the middle of the night, and they just tell him straight up, we can't be around you anymore, and then they just evaporate right in front of him. And he had to watch his four best friends disappear in front of him. And he's calling out their names you know, as he's just laying there watching them all leave. And it, it it made me cry instantly. It's just such a sad scene. What did you think about that scene, just watching them all leave him the way they did? It is really sad to watch. Like you said, they're going one at a time. And um, the way they say it, it's this kind of drawn out goodbye as they dramatically just fade away. They're crying as well. They don't want to leave, but they feel that they have no choice. Do you think they made the right decision on leaving him be? I think so. I think that's a lot to have for adults around all the time as a kid. Mm -hmm. I think as a teen, they probably would be like, you're not my parents. Go away. Okay, Rob. Inquiring minds want to know. Is there one out of the four that's hardest to see disappear in front of his eyes? Oh, my God, yes. So, um, <laughs> no, no, it's it's Penny, Alfred Woodard. I mean, she is the one crying her eyes out at the same time, and she's more of the motherly figure. So I would have had a really hard time watching her go, and it's not for obvious reasons, I swear. It's, it's, it's because she was the one that really, really digs him. She was the only one that didn't want to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they had to all convince her, like, this is best. And she's the mother, you know? But yeah, that would have been hard. What about no, you? I agree for the same reason. Actually, the word motherly came to my mind, too. Mm -hmm. And there's no obvious reasons here. But yeah, <laughs> she's the one who's most connected to him, I feel, out of all of them. I feel like he connects with... No, Julia. Julia's her name. Mm -hmm. He connects with her, I feel like, more as an adult. Yeah. But I don't feel like he ever really gets that close to the other two. Like yeah, I mean, they're, you know, just a bunch of buddies, you know? Yeah, no, but I totally get that. And, and you know, Penny, her deal is that she is a single mom who had three kids. And when she died, she was just on her way to work. So she has no idea what happened to her children. Mm -hmm. And so disappearing in front of um, Thomas, who is Robert Downey Jr.'s character as a child... Uh, it, it felt like losing a kid again. So she really didn't want to go through that. So, yeah, that, that was pretty tough. Um, but then we do a jump and fast forward to him as an adult. And something as, I, I want to say, as traumatic as losing your best friends at a young age with no explanation whatsoever, he turns into an asshole. <laughs> but also a uncommitted asshole. He still manages to get into relationships, but can't really seal the deal are you sure you didn't have four ghosts when you're growing up that just disappeared on you <laughs> whatever i can commit i'm ready i just i just can't yeah it's whatever we're not going there but yeah we find that he is now dating elizabeth shoe and the ghosts are still attached to him but they just can't see or hear them anymore and we see that he has an opportunity to meet her parents and just take that next step. And he's always very guarded and doesn't want to, you know, kind of go there. But he really loves her. And you believe this, right? That he really likes her in that way? Yeah, I think so. I think he's he's one of those guys who's been through a lot of women. But um, he's trying to show her that he wants to be with her. But he's having trouble, like, going the full mile. But he's trying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, all the ghosts are still around. And they really like her. Instead of Miss, <laughs> look at my butt. Look at my butt. <laughs> look at my butt. Look at my butt. <laughs> 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 <It's> so funny. <laughs> but, um, so, then the driver the bus driver the one who killed them all comes in and gives them the message like okay time to go we got to attach you to somebody else and they're like what the fuck what are you talking about and it's explained to them finally why they have been attached to robert downey jr thomas and apparently attached to him they are supposed to use him to finish their unfinished business they get a second chance at completing whatever it is that they were doing right before they died and each four of them had a task so Alfred Woodard, Penny Washington, again, she wants to know where her kids are. Uh, Kira Cedric, 
who plays Julia, she wants an opportunity to tell her long-term boyfriend, if he's still alive, that she would have said yes to his marriage proposal had she made it to him. Uh, Tom Sizemore, who plays Milo, he's sort of this charming thief. And he stole stamps from a little kid that was worth something and gave it to some mob guy, but felt really bad about it and agreed to steal them back. But unfortunately, he didn't accomplish that and then died right after. And then we have Charles Grodin, who was auditioning to be in an opera as an opera singer, and he just chickened out and never went into his audition. Can I just say what a shit deal that you die, you get to go to heaven, but you have to drive a bus, which was <laughs> your job to do as living for, I think this is like 500 years or something. <laughs> yeah. He, well, that's his punishment. Yeah. You know, he's on parole. He's been sentenced to this bus collecting souls for a long, long time. So he, they're definitely giving him, you know, his comeuppance for the way that everything happened. But I think at that point I'd be like, can I go see like what Satan has on his plate <laughs> to see horrible. which one's worse? <laughs> <laughs> so bad. Um, but they are now told that they have a purpose for being attached to him. And if the human, the corporeal being is what they called him, doesn't do what they ask him to do, then they can actually just jump in his body and take over his body to do it themselves. And so now they had to work on reappearing in front of him. And they all had this one song that they were always in unison with and brought them together. And they always had a good time. And it was the song walk like a man. And so they sing that and then they suddenly reappear in front of Robert Downey Jr. while he's driving. I would be freaked the fuck out. Right? If that happened to me. Four people just appearing in my car the way that they did. That was some creepy shit. <laughs> but it was a funny scene. So throughout the movie, he uh, basically uh, uh, helps out these four beings, but also dealing with the trauma himself. You know, he starts to remember and he remembers you abandoned me and you're the reason why I can't really commit and I keep people at length and I don't want to get hurt, but he slowly gets to know them and agrees to help them because he's freaking out. Nobody else can see them. So he knows he has to help. So this is another testament to Robert Downey Jr.'s acting for the most part. A part of the film he was asked to act as if nobody was around him and these four people were just having conversations in his ear and he is just told to look straight don't react to people screaming in your ear or anything like that yeah. and i just thought that was so i i paid attention to those technical things and just watched him and he was really good at just staying focused elizabeth shu as well when they were just talking at the conservatory and they were just all talking and they were just like yeah just whatever i just thought that was really good yeah they did a really good job but um throughout the movie these ghosts do take over his body and this is when robert downey jr has to put his acting skills into play and start taking on the personalities of all these guys um first of all which impression did you like the best you know what i'm gonna say yeah, of course penny <laughs> <laughs> i would love to recite that whole entire scene so again for anybody who has not seen this um they're working on getting um oh what is his name harrison harrison is uh charles groden he's the one who is the singer they want to break into this concert hall and give him an opportunity to sing. And in order to do that, they had to get in without a ticket. And so Penny takes over his body because she's very sassy. And with attitude, you can pretty much do anything. And so he goes up to a security guard from backstage. And he's doing his little walk. And he just puts on that sass. Mm -hmm. And it is hilarious. I will say this. If you don't have this movie or any access to it, this scene has to be on YouTube. It just has to. I'm sure it's really easy to look up. It is so funny, but it just shows the versatility in Downey Jr. and how great he is. And that scene was just hilarious. Yeah, because I feel like he took on her accent without making fun of her accent. Really yes. acted like her. Mm -hmm. Yes, I totally agree. Totally agree. 
Um, yeah, that was my favorite too. Um, what about, uh, the second chance? What scene did you like the best from the second chances? Hmm, that's a hard question to answer, Rob, cause they all have their own emotion behind them. I feel like, or their own comedy. That's how good this movie yeah. is. Um, I would say I'm going to go with the concert though, cause that was fun to see him get up there and sing. And it was exciting to see, you know, like we said, um, Penny take over his body mm-hmm. and then just the whole kind of scene after where we find out that his girlfriend is in the audience with her parents. Yes. <laughs> yes. They were told that they were going to go to some concert and that, um, Thomas was invited to meet the parents at this concert, but he said he had things to do. And then what do you know? He's on stage singing yep. the national anthem with BB King, who is a legend. And yeah, no, no, that was a really good scene. I am going to say the, um, the stamps with Milo. Yeah. Just, uh, cause it's the first time that one of them takes over their body full force. And, they sneak in and they see the dog and they're running up. And then we see the guy from Sister Act. That was who I was talking about. He was one of the the goons. And then he expected the building to be next door to escape like he did last time. And just that shot with no <laughs> building whatsoever. And, <laughs> and even though that they're souls, they're freaking out on the ledge. It's like, is this the idea of, you know, like... Like, you know, having the best plan because I find everything you're doing to be horrible. You're bad at this. And they were all freaking out on the roof. And then when he falls off, like the souls all get dragged down. And it just, again, they were attention to detail. They paid attention to the rules and they couldn't get far from him. But I just like how they were all running upstairs, even (laughs) though nobody's going to get hurt except Mm -hmm. for Thomas. But seeing that guy's face when he saw the stamps at the door and then Milo almost crying for having done his good deed. It was a very big redeeming moment. And you just got to see the plans go into fruition. You're like, this is actually working. This is what they were meant to do. And then they go out and they sing their song. And even, even Milo's goodbye, when he does the little guns that they did as a kid. And he, Mm -hmm. you know, he, he remembered that, like he came up to him and was like, Hey Milo. And then he, I was like, Oh, that's so nice. So yeah, I got to say that was my favorite. And that is a good scene too. Cause that's the first time we realized that once they do their good deed, they have to leave back yeah. out of his life forever. And they say exact like a, another kid needs a soul right now. And he grabs him so clearly he's going to be, you know, a part of, you know, someone else. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was a good scene. OK, so I do want to talk about um, Penny scene by fate, maybe see her child as a, a grown man and as a cop just from the song that was saying to him as a as a child do you think that it was like the fate of god that kept thomas running into billy the cop or was it just a coincidence just for the sake of our movie i think it was probably fate okay so you think in the script it was divine intervention to have him always run into him Mm -hmm. because she needed to know that that was him and that was a really deep storyline too because You don't think about that all the time. She's a single mom. Mm -hmm. She died. Kids don't just magically get, you know, a new guardian. They go into the system where, like, her kids were there lost for years. And, yeah, that was sad. And and even though we were able to accomplish um, Penny getting to see her son or actually knowing where her kids were, it also benefited him because he had no idea where his two older sisters were. Mm -hmm. So now he has an opportunity to reconnect with his family that he lost back in the day. And thank God that they were a little closer than expected. But, um, yeah, I really enjoy that scene, too. That one's really good. But I do believe in fate. I think there's... There's certain people you meet that I always wonder, I believe in past lives, so I always wonder if, you know, the fact that I met you and we get along so well. If we met, like, earlier? Yeah, like, why do we hit it off so well where I met another girl who loves Buffy and all these nerd stuff and me and her never hit it off. We never became friends. And I lived with her for, like, a year. Oh, wow. But, you know, some people you just don't hit it off with. It's an interesting thought to think about. I actually do believe in past lives as well. Mm -hmm. So, Sean, is if you were to pass away right now, 
is there a second chance or something that you think you'd have to resolve or do you have a fulfillment? Hmm. I mean, it's one thing to be like, oh, I would change this if I had an opportunity, but do you have anything unfinished that you think would need to be taken care of before going into another soul? That's a good question, Rob. <laughs> I know this one was probably something I should have warned you about in case you didn't yeah, have an answer. Yeah, thanks a lot, Rob. <laughs> thanks for just throwing me in. <laughs> I might have to think about it. I don't necessarily have one. I mean... My sort of second chance, I guess, would be more of a long term. There's nothing instant that I would say that needs to be done unless like, okay, if I literally died right now, it would probably be I hate that I never got to see a Marvel movie or something being played. I would love to see that before I die or something like that. It would be something very small. Like, oh, I, but like me wanting to be on TV or owning a company, like I, I can't really think that far, but something as this instant, it would, I don't know, it would just be, I, I, I'm not completely fulfilled, but at the same time, I've done everything that I wanted to do today. <laughs> you know what? I think I know what mine is and I'm going to have to be a little bit vague because okay. I don't want to say everything to people who I don't know. Of course. <laughs> but Chris, my husband, I think, um, he has kind of a hobby that is different and he's not meeting other people with that hobby. And sometimes I think it's because he wants to spend time with me. So I think if I were to die, my second chance would be to help him get out there and just meet those people and, you know, make friends with them. So you want to do, you want to pull a star is born is what you're saying. Basically. How is that star is born? <laughs> Well, I don't want to give that away, but in order for her to succeed, what did oh, he yeah. do? <laughs> um, no, no, no. That's very sweet. Your second chance is for somebody else. That's very nice. I like that. So while we process the movie that we just talked about today, before we give our rate, why don't we think about it really quick and go with your segment and then we'll rate our film. So what you're saying is it's time for Sean Soundbooth time. <laughs> so today I picked a band who is in the realm of psychobilly, which we talked about before. It's punk and rockabilly. This band over the years has kind of dropped the psycho a little, and they're more kind of a rockabilly band now. Mm -hmm. But they're called Tiger Army, and the song I chose is called Candy Ghosts. Candy Ghosts, okay. Mm -hmm. So the reason I picked it is it does have kind of an old-time feel to it that I really like. But the lyrics, they talk about things like, I feel lost again, but I know where I am. Colored lights in the mist, floating like candy ghosts. So I just take it as, you know, he loses his companions. So to me, he's a little bit lost. And he finds himself again through the ghosts and through the memories and returning back to returning back to his childhood and dealing with what he was going through in order to move forward past the ghost by helping them and move on with his future. Okay. Okay. And it's Very a good. cute song. <laughs> All right. Well, here's a little bit of that song. Name the title again. Candy Ghosts Candy. by Tiger Army. Okay, Sean, so let's rate this film. What are we rating it? Pervy bus drivers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so out of how many pervy bus drivers do you give Heart and Souls? I think it's a cute movie. I don't think it's a heavy hitter, but I would recommend it. So I'm going to give it an even 3.5. Okay. All right. Uh, I am giving this movie a... I had it at 4.5, but I'm going to lower it to a 4. I do want to recommend this movie to people, but it's not for everybody, unfortunately. Uh, do you believe this movie's dated? I don't think it's dated. Okay. Because I don't think they make a lot of references that you need to know from the time. I think it's you could watch it at any time. Yeah. I really, really love the message of this film. 
I also have a really big thing about friendships. So anytime a movie has friendships, and this is probably why I cried so much when they all left him, is I I just think friendships are super, super important. And so I love that type of storytelling. And it's very inspirational. And it's it's a really cute and just uplifting movie while also being a little sad at times too. So it has a lot of different genres to play with in this and it is fun. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's not, you know, like a huge heavy hitter, like you said. And again, I, I do like the acting and I think for its time, especially in the nineties, they picked some really good stars to star in it. It's, it's a diverse cast that I thought looked like they had fun. So a solid four for me with this one. And and again, it is a movie that's not well known. I recommend watching this. This is something to really put on in the background when you're like cleaning the house or, or you know, like doing some kind of project in front of the TV. It's just something to kind of just look at and just be like, oh, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, that's uh, Heart and Souls. What a fabulous tale and what a fabulous time we've had. I'm so glad that we could be thankful together. And remember, MGs, don't let those psychos, Kardashian and Piggy in office, vote Bynes and Lohan. This is Movie Geek and Proud. Thank you for joining. <laughs>